What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. My name is Bob, your host. I'm hanging out talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports, as always, with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's up, man? Not much, Bob. The standing podcast worked so good last time that I'm doing it again. Standing and recording. I love this desk, man. It's pretty cool. Great. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you are uh, I- enjoying that standing up <laughs> whatever um well the the chris the, the week is upon us after months and months and months of speculation uh ridiculous mock drafts rumors uh the combine pro days nfl draft is gonna hit on thursday night it's a three-day affair cleveland browns obviously in control of that first overall pick and with a plethora of picks afterwards, um, this is their time to shine. I mean, Chris, if they're going to uh, not draft number one overall in the future, they need to hit on, on these draft picks. So, Chris, heading into Thursday, what what are your general thoughts about uh, this draft as it pertains to the Browns? Well, first and foremost, I love what the Browns have been doing by manipulating draft picks for future compensation. You know, let's just look what they've done so far. They've already turned the 103rd pick in this draft into Jamie Collins, who just signed a big extension and was a big fixture on this defense for the last half of the season. They've turned the 142nd pick into Brock Osweiler and a 2018 second-round pick. So even if Osweiler doesn't work out, they still get a draft pick. And the 219th pick in the draft, the seventh-round pick into a 2018 fourth-round pick and a punter. And they still have 11 picks left over. So... Already, they have utilized their draft capital to improve their team. I mean, Bob Brock Osweiler is better, better than any quarterback who was on the roster last year. Jamie Collins is looks like he could be a leader on this defense. And when when I think about manipulating draft picks, I, two teams come to mind: the Ravens and the Patriots. And for the last 16 seasons, these two teams have won seven of the last 17 Super Bowls with nine total appearances. They've combined for 15 appearances in the AFC Championship game, two against one another. Well, that means since 2000, only four years did not feature either one of those two teams. Now, now we all know New England's been doing the heavy lifting, but let's not just you know scoff at Baltimore two and two in AFC titles isn't too shabby either um so this is just a long way of saying that while the this analytical approach may seem new it's really been in existence for the better part of two decades with proven results the Browns are certainly putting their own creative touch to this philosophy they've utilized their cap space creatively to acquire Osweiler and a premium premium draft pick but the foundation of the plan has been the same as what historically fr- successful franchises have done for a while now. Bottom line, this stuff works. The problem with the Browns is the other part of this strategy, and that's drafting blue chip talent and developing it. Oddly enough, the Browns have become masters of the trade. This is the fourth time in the last six seasons since 2012 that they've had two first-round picks. But since 2012, eight of their first-round selections only three are still on the roster, the picks from the last two drafts. And unless he turns it around, Cam Irving is not looking long for this team. So while the Browns have the base of a winning philosophy down pat, they make savvy trades, they acquire resources, they have to start using these resources more effectively and develop them into long-term contributors. I like what they did last year. I think they're showing signs of breaking out of this. 
but they've got to do it again in 2017 and continue to build upon the foundation that they've started. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. You know, the NFL draft, uh, for all the hoopla we put around it, all the talk, the 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 clips that we watch, the evaluations, um, you can. It is a, a a game of numbers and and a game of probability. You know, certain rounds ha- have a certain percentage of success. Uh, you know, if if you think of the average NFL team and, and where they draft, you know, uh, a first round pick is fifty percent likely to hit, and, and it decreases from there. Now, the key word there is average team because the Cleveland Browns are not your average drafting team, as you've alluded to, uh, have screwed up pick after pick after pick, uh, opportunity after opportunity. If you just open up a, a random year uh, on Wikipedia for the NFL draft and look at uh, the Brown selection, everyone around them is most likely a pro bowler or, or a stud um, with some exception, but they ha- have scoffed on, on pick after pick. And it really has been, I mean, they, they are uh, the example of, of screwing up a draft. Now the Browns this year and last year, uh, are taking the shotgun approach to it, uh, playing the rule of numbers. If you have 11 picks and your odds are 40% of those picks are going to hit, you're going to have more hits than, than a team that only drafts seven. Uh, that's just, that's basic math. And that's the analytical approach. Uh, I think that this Browns team is more disciplined than, uh, some of those other regimes that had, uh, multiple first round picks in, in the past. I think that they, use their analytics to mask their subjectivity and their uh, whims and and desires in the draft and have have avoided some pitfalls already. Uh, Last year, you know, they traded down twice in that first round and accumulated a ton of picks when they could have, you know, very easily taken a quarterback with that second overall pick, but they stuck to their guns and stuck to their numbers and didn't do it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I... the Cleveland Browns franchise does not give you hope if you consider their their long history of, of failures in the NFL draft. But certainly, uh, this regime is doing a little bit differently, uh, a little bit of spin to it. You know, you thought that we would see it all, Chris, uh, through all the regimes, but they are doing it a little bit differently, a little bit more uh, soundly uh, in taking uh, the route of the Patriots or, or the Ravens or some of those more established teams. So there is some hope. All that being said, the Browns have control of that number one overall pick. Chris, there are a, a number of options. Miles Garrett, the likely most t- talented player in the draft, is going to be available there. Obviously, uh, the Browns will have their pick of the litter of a quarterback. There's also always the possibility of a trade down. Chris, what is your prediction that the Browns are going to do with that first overall pick? I think Miles Garrett will be the pick, and and I wouldn't be unhappy with it. There are four guys that I, I do really like in this draft, and that's Miles Garrett, Solomon Thomas, Jonathan Allen, and Malik Hooker. I think all four of those guys have are, are probably the safest bets to develop into consistent, strong NFL starters. That's not to say I'm right. I mean, Lord knows. We've seen a lot of great prospects on draft day bust. But when you look at all the arrows, all the signs, I don't want them to trade this pick, for one. They have a ton of draft picks this year and a ton of draft picks next year. They don't need more draft picks. They need to take this rare chance to pick the best player 
and do it. They don't have to worry about whether or not a guy will fall. They don't have to worry about anything. All they have to do is say, we love this guy, get him. That's what I want. I want them to identify the best player in the draft. I know it's hard to do. And even if he's not like the number one, as long as he's like a strong number two, I don't care. I want blue chip talent on this team because the time for amassing resources, and I hope they continue to do it into 2019 and keep doing savvy deals, but it's over, Bob. It's time to start drafting the talent that's going to take them out of this rut because the only way they're going to improve and become the consistent contender that we want them to be is if they take exceptionally talented guys. And I can guarantee you, I don't know who they are, but there are going to be multiple guys in this draft who go to multiple Pro Bowls, who have impactful careers, and are longtime NFL starters. I want the Browns to draft one of them. I think it's going to be Miles Garrett. I wouldn't be disappointed in the pick, regardless of what Warren Sapp said earlier. I don't, whatever. I want them to take the best talent on the on the board. I think it will be Miles Garrett, and I wouldn't be unhappy with the pick. Yeah, it's it's too good a fit for for the Browns to pass up. First up, first overall, I mean. Miles Garrett, by any consensus, is the best player available in this NFL draft. He he aced the combine, was was a freak in posting those measurables, and he has been dominant for three years in Power Five football play at Texas A and M. There there are no red flags. There are no there's no behavioral or, or any uh, off the field concerns. He looks like as sure a thing as you can get in the NFL draft. And with the Browns transitioning to a 4-3 defense, uh, they need a traditional defensive end that, that can apply that pressure. And Miles Garrett is is exactly that. So why why overthink it? I, I think Miles Garrett is absolutely going to be that first overall pick. And I, I'm totally for it because I think, uh, yeah, he, he is the most likely of these players to, to pan out and, and succeed. This is a very defensive heavy top 10 uh, draft. Uh, the, the quarterbacks are, are not probably if you were making a draft board you probably wouldn't have a quarterback ranked in, in the top 15 most of those guys would be on the defensive side there aren't even uh, a whole lot of offensive linemen or wide receivers that are, are getting a lot of top 10 hype so uh, for the Browns to go against that and, and take a quarterback when there is such top heavy defensive talent excluding Miles Garrett. I mean, you named some of them, Jonathan Allen, uh, Derek Barnett is a guy that I like. Jamal Adams, the free safety from LSU, I think is uber athletic as well and, and will be a stud as well. I mean, there are about eight defensive players that I think uh, w- would make an immediate impact on, on this Browns roster. But I agree with you, Chris. Uh, Miles Garrett stands out above all of them. He is for sure the pick that the Browns should make. Now, that being said, what what's the price for the Browns to trade out of that if a team wants a guy like Miles Garrett? I, I honestly think it's priceless. I I think they would have to overwhelm them because because if I'm if I'm the Cleveland Browns, look, you they've got to draft someone with this pick. I, I I they have been so bad for so long yet they they haven't had the number one overall pick in forever, and so. The fact of the matter is, even as bad as the Browns have been, this is still a rare chance to actually change the course of your franchise. So, honestly, the only thing I would be really disappointed at is if the Browns traded out of this spot. I think I would be more disappointed with that than if they drafted a quarterback. I don't want them to draft a quarterback at one 
We'll get to what I think they should do at 12 in a minute. But I would be very disappointed if they traded out of this spot because they don't need any more picks right now. I, I, and there, there will be other ways to get more picks. I, I, I'm sure they're going to make more savvy trades. They may even make a few more down the line, but but not with number one. They, they absolutely need to draft a player here. Uh, the time for kicking the can down to the next draft is over. They need to get a a talent onto this team. So so to me, I, I'm not putting a price on the pick. If I'm the Browns, I, I want to take a player here. Yeah, I, I think uh, there, it would have to be a fantastic offer, uh, a, a bounty of picks and players to, to pry away that first overall pick because, you know, keeping all this in mind, we, we still are talking about prospective talent in, in the NFL. There There is a uh, success rate associated with all these guys, even that number one pick. So uh, as much as I believe in Miles Garrett, there is a chance that he he might not pan out. So if you overwhelm the Browns and it's it's a fantastic deal, uh, I would not have a problem with them making it, but it, it would have to be something uh, truly special to, to, to pry away uh, a guy like Miles Garrett or the chance to draft a guy like Miles Garrett with that first overall pick. I, I agree with you. I think that uh, whenever somebody's calling the Browns asking about the availability of that first round pick, they better say that the, it's priceless and uh, see what their best offer is. Um, I, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, the only the only two things I can think of is if someone gives them an RG3 like bounty, three first round picks plus theirs this year, or if Washington puts Kirk Cousins on the table because I think Kirk Cousins is a top tier franchise quarterback. If they're willing to give you that, that's worth the number one overall pick, and Lord knows the Browns need one. So those are really the only two things that I would even consider. Absent that, you got to take a player because this can be a transformative pick. Definitely. Uh, I agree with you on, on Kirk Cousins there. I think uh, he, he would be worth that move, but um, doesn't seem likely. But who, who knows? Uh, crazy things do happen leading into draft night. Um so Cleveland will have that first overall pick. Uh, then we don't have to wait too long for, for the Browns to pick again. And you won't have to wait too long for the Browns to ever pick in, in this NFL draft, especially in the first couple of rounds. But they do have the number 12 pick in, in that first round. Chris, this is after, by my count, I could see seven teams between the Browns possibly making a move for a quarterback or considering taking a top-tier quarterback either to start immediately or replace a, an aging guy like uh, Drew Brees uh, with the Saints in, in their uh, number 11 pick. Chris, do you think a quarterback is going to be available at 12? Do you want them to take a quarterback? But what do you want them to do with that 12th overall pick? Well, first off, I do think a quarterback will be available at 12. Um, while you are right, there is a lot of need for a quarterback ahead of the Browns. I, I don't think that this quarterback class is uh, blowing anyone away. So I don't think people are going to be willing to pass up on some of the other talent that's available there for a quarterback who, I mean, none of these guys scream franchise quarterback coming out of uh, college. Now, now I understand that's a high bar to set, um, but but there are quarterbacks that you feel stronger about than others. And, and, and this year, I don't feel strong about any of these guys. So I don't think, I, I think there will be still a guy available at 12. I don't think the Browns need to move up if they want to draft a quarterback. I actually think the Browns could trade down here and still get a quarterback if they really wanted to go that way. Personally, though, I would like to see them trade back into the top 10 and try to get another one of those guys I just mentioned or some of the guys that you just mentioned 
and put Miles Garrett, say, with Jonathan Allen or Malik Hooker or Derek Barnett, really just hit a home run and say, you know what, it's time for us to get two guys that we feel really good about. Because they've got the resources to do it. I don't know if they'd have to part way with one of their second round picks to do it. They might. Maybe they could get away with doing it for third because they have a very high third round pick. But I would like to see them go up and get another top 10 player that isn't a quarterback. I do not think the Browns need to draft a quarterback with their first five picks. That goes all the way through the third round. I don't think they need to do it. Because I would like to see them give Brock Osweiler 16 games to see if he can be that franchise guy. Because he's shown potential in the NFL. These other guys in college have not, I mean, obviously have never played an NFL game. Osweiler has had success at the NFL level before. It was two years ago. He, didn't, he had a terrible year in Houston. I'm not saying that. But he also had a year before that where he looked like the franchise quarterback. And... Why not give this guy a chance to prove it when you're already paying him $16 million regardless? Because, I, I mean, Bob, realistically speaking, they're not going to get a team to take all $16 million off their books. So you're going to pay the guy anyway. Let's see what he can do. Wait a year. Next year's quarterback class, I hear, is deeper and better. Why not build up in what is a very deep defensive draft, your defense, move up, and get another blue chip guy and start injecting this team with the talent it needs to climb out of this rut. Hey, that that is a very uh, logical, well well thought out uh, decision on what the Browns should do with that that number twelve pick. I'm not going to say that's a bad move. I think I would be happy if uh, the Browns trade back in and get one of those top tier defensive players. I don't see the Browns making that kind of move in the first round if they're not going to take a quarterback. Um, I, I just think that the, the, the thought would be they could stand packet, pat at number 12 and let the teams ahead of them waste their picks on a quarterback and then one of those guys would fall to them at number 12 potentially or vice versa. The teams ahead of them are, are going to take the top-tier talent and then uh, what's left is maybe Mitch Trubisky or Deshaun Watson are, are, are there and that's exactly the guy that you want. Now, uh, you, you said that a quarterback is going to be av- available at number 12. I just don't want a quarterback. I want the quarterback. I, I hope that the Browns, a- after all this evaluation, knowing that you know even at the start of the 2016 season, they were going to be in the market with the capital to take a top-tier quarterback in this upcoming draft, that they have an idea of who that guy is. Now, uh, most sources say that it's Mitch Trubisky, I don't know why or where that's coming from. I mean, there is the Ohio connection. Uh, I, I would, I guess I would be okay with it if he falls to number 12 and the Browns don't give up anything. They just use that pick to take him. Uh, the guy that I am set on, have been set on uh, for, for a long time now is, is Deshaun Watson. If he's available at number 12, I think I, I want the Browns to pull the trigger on him and, and to draft him. Now, uh, this quarterback class is so mercurial uh, that – you know, I've seen evaluations of these quarterbacks going in, in the top five, and I've seen Deshaun Watson falling all the way down to the second round and Mitch Trubisky falling to the late first round. So 
it'll be up to the Browns to know where these guys are ranked with all these other teams and, and what their true value is in terms of the draft order. But I, if Deshaun Watson is there at number 12, I, I really want them to take him. I just think that he would be the perfect fit for Hugh Jackson to, to finally jumpstart that, start that offense. I think he's proven everything there is to prove at the college rank. Uh, he, he is my guy at that number 12 pick. Bob, we're going to agree on something here because I actually like Deshaun Watson the most out of all these quarterbacks. I think he's getting a little Russell Wilson treatment in the sense that people are kind of trying to put him into a mold that doesn't quite fit. But when you look at his game film, he can play, man. I mean, the guy has played at such a high level in Clemson and is the main catalyst behind all their success the last couple of years. Now, now obviously, there are other great players on those Clemson teams. I'm not saying that, but this guy is awesome. Now, I remember ways back when Russell Wilson was in the draft, I said, man, someone's going to get a steal at the back end of the first round. Well, I didn't think he'd fall all the way to the third round, and, and obviously Seattle got the steal of a lifetime. So the, the fact of the matter is, Bob, I like Deshaun Watson. And honestly, Ben, if the Browns take a quarterback at number 12, can you really hang him out to dry? I mean, it's not like they don't desperately need one. And so if they've identified a guy, be it Trubisky or Watson, I'd be a little uneasy if it were Deshaun Kaiser. I, I really don't like him I, I would if they're going to take a guy at 12 it, it's got to be Watson or Trubisky because those two I think are, are, are cut above everyone else I just don't know I, I still don't get a sense that either of these guys would be the answer I could certainly be wrong and you made a good point earlier the board I'm looking at has Mitch Trubisky ranked 12 on the nose he's the first quarterback ranked ahead of him is Christian McCaffrey uh, Leonard Fournette, and tight end O.J. Howard, which are guys I don't think the Browns would consider in the first round. So all it takes is one or two quarterbacks to get drafted. And, and you're right, Bob, they wouldn't need to move up from 12 to get a really good defensive player there. And Taco Charleston, who I think is a little underrated defensive end out of Michigan, I mean, I, I wouldn't be disappointed if he were taken at 12. And another guy I really like, I know he's a wide receiver, but Corey Davis out of Western Michigan's a stud. I, and it's not like they don't need another wide receiver because Corey Coleman, you know, still has a lot to prove. Uh, Kenny Britt is inconsistent. And so, so it's not like they don't need a wide receiver either. I, I'd be happy there. Honestly, though, Bob, I, I don't really want them to take a quarterback. But if they do take one and it was Deshaun Watson, I think that I, I'd be the most content with that. Yeah, I, I get the Russell Wilson comparison. Uh, I think Deshaun Watson has four inches on him, though. And yeah, no, Bob, uh, Bob, I know, wasn't I wasn't talking about measurables. I was talking more about just the approach to evaluating Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah, obviously yeah, they're I, a different kind of player, measurable wise. I was talking more that I think Deshaun Watson is getting evaluated the same way Russell Wilson was. And I think that they're kind of trying to make him the typical NFL mold, but he's not and he's still having success in college. That, that's all I was saying there. All right. I, I guess I get that. But, you know, you talk about game film. I mean, what more film do you want with him? Two straight national titles going against uh, what is probably the most talented college football team in Alabama, and he rips him to shreds two years straight and, and absorbs just bone-crushing hits from guys like Jonathan Allen and Ruben Foster, who we've already talked about. I'm all in on Deshaun Watson. I, I, do, I, I would be really happy if they take him at number 12. Um, but just, yeah, to reiterate, I, I just don't see the Browns 
you know, they, 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 this approach, this analytic approach, uh, one of the main rules is don't trade up and, and don't get too greedy. Um, I, I don't see them trading up from that number 12 pick because they are, uh, primed with that 12th pick to, to get some top tier talent. So, um, that is definitely a, a pivot pick. I think it's uh, dependent a lot on, on what happens uh, with the rest of those teams in the top 10, obviously. Uh, so, so we, I think the Browns will have, uh, there, there are many possibilities for, for them to choose from and it all just depends on what happens before them. Um, moving on though, uh, to the second round, the Browns control the number 33rd pick overall. That's the first pick in, in the second round. Chris, uh, what, what do you want the Browns to do here? Well, first and foremost, if uh, Kevin King, cornerback out of Washington, happens to slide out of the first round and into the number 33 slot, uh, I certainly would not object to the Browns taking him, a very versatile cornerback out of Washington. He's 6'3", 200 pounds, uh, being hailed as the most vertical, excuse me, versatile defender in the draft. They need secondary help, Bob, badly. I mean, look, Joe Hayden is a fine corner. I, I think all the injuries, I don't know if he'll ever be an elite corner again. They need help in the safety at corner. They, they need to replenish that area of the team. And if Kevin King is there at number 33, I mean, that is just the perfect combination of immediate need and what looks to be a very versatile talent coming out of Washington so I would be ecstatic if they somehow were able to get Kevin King I don't know if it's going to happen because he'd have to fall out of the first round and there are teams down there namely New Orleans who's been trying to trade with New England for a corner uh who need a secondary help so so that would be a stretch uh but hey maybe if they don't trade up at 12 they can trade up and get Kevin King in the back end of the first round I wouldn't complain if they drafted three guys in the first round either I understand what you're saying the analytics approach Trading up is not in their sort of blueprint, um, but but the way I look at it is if you've identified a player that you really like, go up and get them. You got 11 picks. Use your resources to get the guy. So if they don't trade up at 12, maybe they make a move for Kevin King, but this is a guy I really like at the back end of the first round, and maybe he slides to number 33. Yeah, I am, I'm a big fan of Kevin King. Uh, I think a lot of teams are, and I, th- I, I don't see him being available in the second round, but Hey, things can happen. People can slide. It happens every year, year in, year out. Um, there, there are a lot of late first round secondary players that I think will be available. Somebody's going to fall out, be it Adoree Jackson, Buddha Baker, uh, uh, the, the corner from, from LCU, Tredavious White. All those guys are, are late first round picks, depending how things fall. They might be available in the second round. Um, I, I, too, am projecting a, a, a secondary player. Um, and I, I'm going with Jabril Peppers, uh, the safety, the, the linebacker safety hybrid combo, uh, kind of Swiss Army knife from from, from Michigan. Um, you know, he he just today news broke that he turned in a diluted sample at the NFL Combine uh, in terms of drug testing. Now that doesn't mean he's going to be in any trouble entering the NFL, but he is uh, bumped up to the first tier uh, of drug testing. So when he fails another test he, he will uh receive a suspension now the browns will have to weigh whether that's worth it or not but i, I certainly do think it is I, I think that that you know we are so hypersensitive heading into the nfl draft to, to any negative news that that does affect this draft status i mean look at laramie tunsil last year a video uh 
gets posted just a couple hours before the draft. This was uh, a guy that was probably going to be the number three overall pick in that draft, uh, and he falls all the way down to number 13 going to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, It happens year in and year out. I think Jabril Peppers, who was a mid-first-round pick before this news broke, uh, could very easily slip into the Browns' hands. I think it's very likely that uh, some teams are going to pass on him because of this diluted sample. And if he does land uh, at, at, at number 33, I think the Browns should definitely pull the trigger on him. This is a guy that can play free safety. He can line up, is, is strong enough to, to, to play linebacker. So he, he's a sound tackler. I think it's exactly the Mark Barron, uh, Landry Collins type role that we saw be developed last year. Uh, Greg Williams coached Mark Barron in, in LA. I think it's exactly what the Browns need in the secondary. So uh, I'm a big fan of Jabril Peppers, and I think if he's available, the Browns should take him. Oh, certainly. Very strong career at Michigan. Uh, you, you said it best, Swiss Army Knife. He can play a little bit of everywhere. You got that safe, that linebacker mentality with the safety. Uh, always a good to have in this day and age of the NFL where guys are being asked to play just kind of out of position everywhere to try to match up with some of these more exotic offensive schemes, especially, you know, with teams trying to control the pace. Another guy I like is Marlon Humphrey, a uh, cornerback out of Alabama, six feet. I like tall corners. Uh, I like corners who are big. That's how Seattle was able to intimidate people with their no-fly zone. Uh, if you get a bigger corner in there, you can really disrupt some of these wide receivers who are uh, actually pretty big themselves. So the the I, I agree with you, Bob. I, I think this is where they address the secondary need. I would be stunned if Jimmy Garoppolo... And, and even more stunned if Kirk Cousins, I, I think the Browns would have to do number one to get Kirk Cousins, but I'd be stunned if Jimmy Garoppolo gets moved. I don't think that that is going to happen for the number 33 pick. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think, uh, I, I don't think that's going to be a draft day trade. I, I, I think if that's going to happen, that's going to happen before the draft even starts, um, or it would have happened already. I think that, um, the availability of Jimmy Garoppolo uh, has passed a little bit. I, I just don't see the Browns making that move now heading into the draft. And I don't think he's as available as he was a, a few weeks ago. I think they've stopped shopping him a little bit. So I, I think the Browns will not, if the, if they add a quarterback, it's going to be through the draft. I don't think they're going to use some of these draft picks to get their quarterback, uh, a proven quarterback. So I don't, I don't see that, that, uh, that number 33 pick, being involved in, in, in a trade for a quarterback. Um, the Browns do have a, a second second round pick, number 52. Um, again, Browns uh, are, are all over the place uh, in, in this draft. Chris, wh- wh- what do you project here? Well, this is where it gets a little tougher to project. Um, my sheet has uh, Tim Williams, outside linebacker of Alabama, there. I don't know if linebacker is a position they will address in this draft just because they did so uh, very well last year. They traded for Jamie Collins. They have some guys on the roster. So so they're actually a little bit deep there. Um, so I don't know if outside linebacker is a position they'll address. Um, but again, to me, the theme of this draft, I want it to be very defense heavy because it's so deep defensively and the Browns need so much help. I- I'd like it if they went another secondary player, if another one of those guys kind of fell to them. Uh, maybe some of the scraps from the high second round, some of the guys we already mentioned. Um, but, but honestly, uh, I just want them to continue to, to build up a unit on this team. So, so I, I would like them to continue to go defense and continue to just put all their resources to building one thing up and hope that some of it sticks. Like we mentioned earlier, that shotgun approach, if you're going to succeed on 40% of your picks, 
hey, let's put it all into one resource and start building it up. Hey, I really like that Tim Williams pick, um, you know, and from a draft board standpoint, if he's available at 52, uh, absolutely take him. He, he's better than the 52nd uh, best ranking uh, in, in this draft. The only concern I would have is where is he going to play? Like you said, uh, he's more of a outside linebacker rushing specialist with them transitioning to his 4-3. Would he have a role? But uh, if he's there, I think you just have to find a way to, to fit that talent because he can get to the quarterback uh, and, and did it. Uh, very well at Alabama. Um, I'm going a little bit different approach. My thought is you've already, you had the first overall pick, the most valuable pick in the draft. You've had another first round pick. You had the first pick in the second uh, round uh, of the draft. So you've already selected three times in, in the first 33 picks. Why not take a little bit of risk with this number 52 pick and take a guy like Sidney Jones, the Washington cornerback that played opposite uh, of your guy um, that, that you wanted uh, in, in the previous pick. Um, Sidney Jones is nursing an Achilles tear right now. He tore it during the pro day, but in the 2016 season, he did not allow a single passing touchdown when he was in coverage uh, against a wide receiver. Um, he's six foot. He's not as tall as his counterpart, but um, by all metrics and rankings, he is certainly talented enough to be a first round corner. The only reason he's going to be available here uh, is because of that Achilles tear, which by all accounts, he'll be ready to play uh, come September. But, uh, you know, the, the Browns already have invested heavily uh, in players that'll be available on day one in, in this draft with those first three picks. Why not take a risk on a guy that in the future could potentially be uh, one of the steals of the draft in Sidney Jones? Well, Bob, here's the thing Sidney Jones on my board is rated around 74. Browns are picking at 65 right back behind that pick 52. There's a chance they could get Tim Williams and Sidney Jones. Uh, But I hear you there. I mean, if you've got a guy with a first-round grade and you've already taken three guys, essentially three first-round picks because you're picking 33, but there's going to be some leftovers from the first round trickling down to that number 33. So you've already made three premium picks I agree. Get a little risky. Take a guy that you feel good about that could be a steal of the draft. And, and yeah, it addresses an immediate need. And, and wouldn't that be something if they, if they got both Washington corners reunited, that secondary in Cleveland? That would be kind of a cool story um, if they were able to pull it off. Um, but then again, maybe if they get Kevin King, they don't draft uh, Sidney Jones. Uh, but, but, Bob, I mean, wouldn't that just be fantastic if they ended up with Tim Williams, Kevin King, and Sidney Jones with their – two second and third round picks <laughs> that that would be pretty crazy uh, i wonder how many times that's happened like two starting corners going to the same team uh th- that would be sweet i mean they're both uber talented so i i would have no problem with it and you know the odds are one of them's going to be a hit so I, I i would be definitely okay with that and as i said before love corners who are six feet uh, taller, bigger corner. I, I don't just write off corners who aren't six feet because because a lot of them are a little on the shorter side uh, for an NFL player. But I mean, if you can get two big corners, put them in with Joe Hayden, all of a sudden you have the potential for to develop something. I mean, I don't expect those guys to come in and light it up right away because corner is the toughest position to adjust to in the NFL. So anytime you draft the secondary position, you got to understand that it's going to be a little bit of development there. Yeah. Definitely, uh, there there is a, a learning curve with that, with that position for sure. Um, so we're not going to go into every pick that the Browns have. We we just previewed those first four that they have seven more uh, as and Chris detailed uh, 
those picks at, at the start of the draft. Um, but Chris, you know, heading into these late rounds, they have they have a pick in the third round, another in the fourth. They have three in the fifth round, two in the sixth round. Um, are, are there some sleeper picks that that you want? Who 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 are you projecting late in the draft that that you really want the, uh, to be on a Browns roster? Well, a uh, tight end named Jake Butt out of Michigan. I had a very strong season with the Wolverines, and Gary Barnage is getting up there. I still think Gary Barnage is a good player, uh, but but he's in his 30s. He's gonna, you know, 31 years old. Uh, the fact of the matter is, they do need to start looking at that position as getting some depth behind Barnage. Uh, and Jake Butts falling because of an injury. Uh, they they may have to spend their third round pick on him. I don't know if he'd be there in the fourth round, but I think he would be a bit of a steal if they got him late. Uh, and then there's another guy, Kareem Hunt, running back out of Toledo. He's rated kind of 118, so that's more of a fourth-round grade. The Browns have so many picks, and I know Isaiah Crowell looked good. It's not that I don't like Isaiah Crowell. I do, but I don't think that the, the day and age of the one running back workhorse, I mean, that's not something that happens very often. If you can get a little extra support in the running game, uh, I think that that would help out. You look at all the great teams, they're running two running backs now. You look at the Patriots, the Falcons, list goes on. So I think if they could add some depth later in the draft, that running back, that would help as well, uh, especially with them bulking up the offensive line. So so I think Kareem Hunt could be a sleeper at running back, um, but but I also like Jake Butt out of Michigan. I think he's falling because like much, much of the way Sidney Jones is, a little bit of an injury there, so you can maybe steal some talent if they can recover and uh, get get more value out of your late round pick. Yeah, I, I really like that Jake Butt pick. I had him uh, written down as well. Um, you know, if the Browns are going to have a young quarterback, be it Brock Osweiler or a, a rookie uh, in that position, they need some reliable tight end targets. And, and Gary Barnage had a had a not the Pro Bowl season that he had a couple of years ago last year. He, it was a little bit of a disappointment, and he's getting a little bit old. So I, I think it's definitely time to move on and, and, and get some. Uh, new talent in there and I think Jake Butt uh, with his hands and productivity in, in college is a, a, a great fit for that um, I'm looking at a guy Donnell Pumphrey uh, the San Diego State running back uh, this is the leading rusher in all FBS history he set that time ta- uh, mark uh, last season uh, you know he's projected in in the fifth or sixth round I mean why not take a flyer on a guy with that kind of productivity at the college level um, he's a little bit smaller, so he would be a great change of pace back for Crowell. Uh, you know, I like Duke Johnson as well. I think you can never be too deep uh, at the running back position as long as you're not wasting a huge amount of capital, be it salary space or, or draft capital uh, on that position. Um, I, I think that would be a good fit. I'm also looking at a guy, Josh Harvey Clemens, a six foot four safety from Louisville. I remember when he was uh, a freshman at, at the University of Georgia, a former five star recruit. Uh, he could be the next. Uh, hybrid linebacker safety you know I talked a little bit about Jabril Peppers being that but this guy uh, Harvey Clemens fits that mold uh, absolutely uh, 100% um, you know we saw the Panthers take Shaq Thompson a couple of years ago in the first round uh, Sua Cravens going to the Redskins last year um, I think this is a role that is definitely going to be carved out at six foot four Josh Harvey Clemens uh, in the late rounds certainly uh, could fit that mold and and, and be a contributor there and we will definitely see, man. I mean, it, it, it is so hard to project the later rounds. I mean, last year we were talking, you know, the top five cornerbacks, Hackenberg and Connor Cook, and then Connor Cook fell all the way to the fourth round. You know, two or three other guys were drafted before him. So 
after day one and really after day two, it gets kind of a wild, wild kind of West uh, feel to it. Uh, I just hope, like I've said all podcast long, that the Browns finally identify and draft top shelf talent because they've got 11 chances to do so. Whether they trade up and identify, try to go for quality over quantity, or they stand pat and just take the shotgun approach, they absolutely need to continue to add to this foundation. I think they did a good job last year. A lot of young guys popped. Uh, Hopefully those guys can take the next step, and hopefully this class can help lay that foundation and and bring some depth to this roster uh, because that's the only way you're going to turn this thing around. Oh, for sure. I I hope they address all that depth. Um, It'll certainly be interesting. you know the, the Browns have the, the capital to do it. Uh, you know we we called it the shotgun approach uh, multiple times here. I, I hope that they stick to their to their board, uh, stick to what they believe in, and, and don't reach, don't overreact, uh, and take just in most occasions take the best player on the board. Um, sometimes you have to go for fit. Uh, some guys just won't fit. But I hope, especially in those first couple of rounds, they they stick to their board as much as possible. Um, you know, this first round, Chris, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you got, uh, some, some, you got these aging quarterbacks like, uh, Phillip rivers with the chargers, uh, drew Brees with the saints, uh, Carson Palmer with, with, with the, uh, with Arizona and even, uh, Alex Smith down at, down in Kansas city. Are, are any of these guys going to take a quarterback? It'll be interesting. I, I'm really intrigued with that first round. And obviously the Browns will, will be uh, a big players in it as well. well. I mean, when you got 11 picks, you're definitely going to be a big player two first round pick I mean Bob the Browns are definitely going to be at the center of this thing I I hope no matter what they come away with three players be it uh, 1, 12, and 33 you know I don't want them to get I still want them to draft essentially three first round players if they move up I would hope that they would use some of their lower picks to do so and still get a lot of high level talent onto this team yeah yeah definitely well uh, the draft will be complete by the next time we uh, record, so we'll have all of the recap there and our reactions to it, and maybe we even, you know, one of our picks landed and, and was correct. Who knows? Uh, it is a crazy, crazy couple of days of the NFL draft, um, but we are going to move on to uh, some of the local news. The Indians uh, finally turn it on uh, against the Twins and the White Sox. Uh, getting the well i don't know is is it considered a sweep of the twins if they didn't play the fourth game yes it is because they are going to play that all right so they swept the twins in what was supposed to be a four game series but in a three game series uh continued that streak uh with taking the first two games against the white Sox, shutting them out in both those games from from Corey kluber and carlos carrasco uh dropping that last one on sunday but chris uh this is a great turnaround from the previous week uh, kind of exactly what we were asking for last week. Uh, Jason Kipnis is back on the roster. Uh, all, all good news for, for the Indians, right? My fake headline almost came true. They were one game away from doing the double sweep. That that That's pretty close. Uh, no, it, it's yeah. a fantastic week. I mean, you win five straight. Obviously, look, you're not going to win them all. But if you go five and one, that's how you uh, stay in contention. Uh, they definitely have a tough road ahead. Uh, they got a really good Houston team coming to town, Bob. Tomlin and Bauer are going up against Dallas Keuchel and Lance McCullers. So our four or five going up against their one, two, that that's going to be a, a bit of a test for 
Tomlin and Bauer. Hopefully they can continue to build off the momentum they gained on that road trip. I think that's the most impressive part for me was to see Tomlin and Bauer shake some really bad opening starts and get back on track because they need to uh, settle in in order for this team to do what they did last year and that's not lose more than three games in a row at any point in the season. I still think that's the most impressive statistic about the 2016 Cleveland Indians. They do that again they're definitely going to win the division. So thing, all, thing, all things are right in tribe land, uh, and, and hopefully they can continue it because, like you said, Houston and then they get Seattle coming into town. Those are two teams uh, that have playoff aspirations of their own. Yeah, for sure. It'll, it'll be an interesting week. Uh, some, you know, the, the Twins and White Sox were, I think, good tune-up games for them. So uh, it'll be cool to see how, how they react, especially, like you said, the, those opening games with Bauer and, and Tomlin on the mound. One of those guys needs to turn around and, and get some consistency, but um, definitely a, a good um, writing of the ship uh, last week with that um, five and five and one record against the Twins and White Sox. Um, underlying that news, though, the, the good vibes is the, the, the rumor and the story that Francisco Lindor uh, reportedly turned down uh, what is rumored to be a over a hundred million dollar contract extension with the Indians in the off season. Um, you know, the Indians don't really negotiate contract extensions during the season. So uh, they aren't negotiating now, but um, you know, most outlets are, are reporting that uh, Lindor uh, refused a substantial extension. Others are, are, are numbering that at over a hundred million dollars. Chris, uh, are you concerned about this news? Uh, what are you making of it? Well, first off, Paul Hoynes said that, uh, the Indians did make for Francisco Lindor what they dubbed a substantial extension offer, but they didn't confirm it was in the $100 million range. Uh, first and foremost, if it was less than $100 million, I don't blame Francisco Lindor for turning it down. You look at all the stars getting paid. Lindor is de- $100 million for Lindor, I think, is a bargain over five or six years. So, look, Lindor's just doing what's smart. The guy's got endorsements coming in. He had a great World Bas- Baseball Classic. He's very marketable now. Uh, look, he's not your typical rookie because endorsements are rolling in. He's not going to feel the arbitration pressure like some guys will. So while you do have him under control, the arbitration doesn't start until 2019, not a free agent until 2022. Uh, he doesn't really need to sign anything right now unless it's A, in his wheelhouse, and B, going to still keep him on the free agent market in his prime. That's that 28-30 range. So there's no doubt in my mind that Lindor not only wants what's fair market value, but at the same time wants to position himself to sign another big contract when he will be in his prime. I'm not worried about it because they still have him under team control for a very long time. Uh, this isn't the NFL. You don't see holdouts and stuff like that. He's going to play because he, he, he it wouldn't be in his best interest to hold out or anything like that because of arbitration. Uh, so this thing won't really get serious until we start seeing him signing arbitration offers and turning down extensions so I I think there's a lot of things that still have to play out you've seen the Indians pony up for guys in the last offseason or two I think this deal is going to get done but Lindor's got a little more leverage because of his marketability so so this thing's going to take a little time yeah, for for sure. Uh, I think it was it made sense for the Indians to make that offer because you would essentially buy, uh, depending on the length of that extension, two or three extra years on top of the the four additional years of control they have after this season. 
Um, it, it makes sense for Lindor to turn it down because he's not going anywhere. He, he has a contract, a guaranteed deal, and he is ascending. I mean, he the, the season that he's putting together right now, if, if it continues that way, uh, yeah, he's definitely going to be worth more than $100 million over uh, any any amount uh, uh, of length. Um, all that being said, the, the Indians have him on this team. He's going to be an Indian for the next four years. Uh, a lot can change in that time, be it Lindor's trajectory or the Indians' trajectory. I'm, I'm not worried about this now. I mean, they, they tried to get a deal done. Uh, it's not like that was an insulting deal. I mean, uh, by all accounts, uh, players with, at Lindor's service level, they nearly doubled uh, the, the record contract that, that was signed by Andrelton Simmons. So uh, it, it wasn't like a, a, a cheap move by the Indians. It, it, it was a smart move for them. It was a smart business move for Lindor right now in this moment to decline the deal. Uh, but I'm not worried that, that Lindor is going anywhere. Uh, we have him until he's 27 years old. Most likely that they will agree to some sort of extension past that. But, you know, a lot can change in baseball in four years. And uh, either that deal might not look so good or the Indians might not be in a position to to want to extend him. So we will have to wait and see. Um, but I, I'm not worried at all. Way too early to get worried. Yep, for sure. We'll move into some playoff basketball. The Cavs... Uh, completing the sweep of the Indiana Pacers, a, a tough, gritty uh, Indiana Pacers, given the, the Cavs a run for their money. And most of these games, Chris, we, ha- we had uh, uh, a ridiculous comeback from, from the Cavs uh, in game three, you know, that being down over 20 points, uh, rallying in that second half. Uh, that, that was a fantastic game. Um, and then game four was just, it was chippy. It was tough. Uh, the Cavs finally broke loose a little bit at the end, but the Pacers made it tight again and, and the Cavs were barely able to scrape away but uh, the sweep is complete probably one of the hardest fought sweeps I've seen uh, for, from from a, in, a, in a first round of the NBA playoffs but um, it, it is done what what are your takeaways for, for, from that playoff series well the takeaway is the Cavs took care of business now they get a week of rest because this is a team that needs all the rest it can di- get especially when you're going to be relying on LeBron James the way they have been and you know, I don't think the Cavs are just going to sweep their way to the finals this year. I do think Toronto and Milwaukee, whoever comes out, probably going to take a game, maybe two, from Cleveland, especially if these fourth quarter woes keep rearing their ugly head. You thought they shook it. You thought that that comeback was going to kind of shake it. But then in the fourth quarter, Indiana came back again of game four. Uh, look, Indiana is not your typical seven seed. All right? Paul George is, is legitimately a top 15 player, arguably a top 10 player. The guy is awesome, okay? They have a good team around him. Not a great team, but a good team. And there's the rivalry factor. They don't really like LeBron James because of what he's done to them previously with Miami in the postseason. So all that combined led to a very chippy series. But certainly the Cavs giving up these big leads late in games is concerning. Hopefully it was just a product of a chippy series and they can maybe take care of business a little better against a Toronto or Milwaukee who doesn't have that sort of rivalry factor as much as Indiana did. Um, But at the end of the day, they won the four games they needed to. They get the rest they need to. And they took care of business. So they're the only team through the second round right now. You can't ask for too much more than that. Uh, I'd rather have these problems and be and have swept than have to play game five and six because they've blown two leads and are tied two two. So at the end of the day, they took care of business, they moved on, but there are still some things they got to iron out going forward. Yeah, it's odd. I mean, they, they definitely they, they they got the sweep 
And I mean, what more can you ask for from a team? But um, the way they, they blow those leads, it, it, it gives you pause. But at the same time, anytime they blow the lead, they are able to grind it out and, and win. So does that make you more concerned or less concerned? I don't know. I, all I know is that they won four games in a row against the playoff team. Uh, and, and now they're resting for a week. I think that's fantastic. Um, no, no sign from that Pacers series led me to believe that an upset is imminent in the second round. But I agree with you. I, th- I definitely think it's going to be a tougher matchup. Um, and, and the Cavs are, are likely to lose a game or two against uh, either of those teams, be it the Raptors or the Bucks. So uh, we'll definitely have to, to wait and see. Uh, we don't know who they're going to play because uh, that matchup between the Bucks and Raptors is at least going to six games. Uh, and that has been quite an entertaining series, uh, really. But moving out from the macro perspective in this first round of the NBA playoffs, uh, Chris, like you said, the Cavs are the only team to complete their series, so we, we have a lot of basketball being played yet. Um, what's your, your biggest takeaway storyline uh, from the rest of this playoff series so far? Who would have thought Rajon Rondo was such a huge part of the Chicago Bulls? I mean, I, I'm not trying to discount him. Well, he was they go up 2-0 in Boston. I mean, you would think they'd at least split. I know he was injured. Rondo, but you would think they'd have enough talent to at least split and force a 3-1. That series is back on serve, man. They come home and lay two big eggs against Boston. First off, credit Isaiah Thomas, uh, the guy. I mean, look, man, he's putting that whole team on his back. He is putting that whole team on his back, and maybe that's it. I mean, Rajon Rondo, clearly a better defensive point guard than, than Michael Carter-Williams or Dorian Grant. So the, the fact of the matter is that has completely changed this series. Chicago looked like they were going to mop the floor with Boston, maybe winning four or five games. Now I think Boston is going to be back on track. Uh, I mean, you come back from 0-2, and you, now you've taken back home court. Uh, this series has swung back in favor of the Celtics. Uh, who knows what Game 5 will bring, but but that's certainly the story of, for me. What looked like a big, juicy upset is turning more into a, uh, you know, Boston's getting gritty. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty obvious that, that Boston is back in control of that series. And like you said, I mean, Rajon Rondo, middle of the regular season, he was benched and wasn't playing on the team. And you remember all the social media posts that he had. So uh, pretty amazing that all of a sudden the playoffs come around and, and Rajon Rondo is just able to flip a switch and, and be playoff Rondo, as people were saying. I, that was definitely one of the, the biggest storylines. And one of what made it crazier is that he he – very subtly broke a thumb <laughs> i didn't even know that he got injured in that second game and uh now all of a sudden the bulls look uh look clueless and, and boston's back in control um i'm going with uh blake griffin injuring his toe and he is done for the playoffs so even if they survive the utah jazz uh the series is now tied 2-2 heading back to los angeles uh the clippers will be playing the rest of the postseason without blake griffin Chris, I mean, how many times have we heard this story? Uh, either Blake Griffin or Chris Paul or both are, are hurt in the postseason and are missing uh, a large amount of time. Uh, worse for the Clippers, Rudy Gobert played in that fourth game, so they have him uh, going back to L.A. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if the if the Clippers are going to be able to survive the Jazz. I, I said last week I don't want them to. Um, w- without Blake, they, the, the Clippers certainly are not a contender to win this Western Conference, even if they do beat the Utah Jazz. Worst news, they lose Blake Griffin and Rudy Gobert comes back for the Utah Jazz. So that's like the double whammy right there. Utah tied 2-2 now. Bob, I think we both picked Utah before this series. Utah at mostly full strength because Gobert may not be 100%, but he's back. 
Griffin's not, I think this is going to be lasting maybe two more games, and then the Clippers are early exit again. Yeah. Uh, such is the story of the, the LA Clippers, I, I guess. <laughs> that, that what, what should we have expected, really, uh, if nothing but this? Um, so we, we will keep you posted with the rest of the NBA first round and uh, the the NBA the second round uh, will be getting underway or maybe we'll be a day out uh, next time we record so we'll have you pre- previewing uh, that second round uh, next time uh, on Clee Talk uh, going down south uh, to a farewell to the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, avoided the sweep against the Pittsburgh Penguins were able to get a win at home to avoid that sweep but uh, fin- lost the series to the Penguins in five games, uh, losing game five. Chris, uh, what's your, your post-mortem on the Blue Jackets? Was this a successful season? Oh, certainly a successful season. They got back to the playoffs. They finished third in the NHL. Uh, they, they Just because of a, a weird way of seeding the bracket, they had to face the defending Stanley Cup champions and the second-best team in all hockey in the first round. It's ridiculous that uh, the team that finished fourth in their division got an easier road for losing uh I I still can't get my head around that I I think it's wrong but at the end of the day I don't think that should damper in what looks to be a very bright future for Columbus outstanding season I'm glad they avoided the sweep gave their fans something to cheer for and then yeah Pittsburgh took care of business game five but bottom line is Columbus has nothing to be ashamed of uh I I think if the bracket were seeded traditionally they might be playing in the second round right now but say la vie yeah, what what could have been, but certainly uh, a, a fantastic season for them, a bounce back year, um, and, and uh, you know there's definitely excitement in Columbus from from everyone I know living there. Uh, they rallied behind that team, um, so it was, that was really cool to see, and, and hopefully they're building off of it. That uh, they definitely have some young talent, so I, I do think they will be back uh, in playoff contention next year, and hopefully they'll go further in, in the postseason. Uh, shout out to my Preds sweeping the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, pretty fantastic, unbelievable. Um, hopefully they will uh, carry my hockey once uh, further to the, to the Stanley Cup. That is a fantastic storyline, by the way. I don't think anyone picked that upset. Uh, if they did, I don't think anyone picked a sweep. <laughs> so <laughs> Certainly uh, not a sweep. <laughs> yeah, uh, unbelievable. I mean, in Chicago, they, they shut them out for the first two games. Uh, pretty crazy. So... I know we're, that's not a Cleveland team, but I, I'm living here and I'm pretty excited about it. But all right, um, time for the fake headline. Chris, what do you got? All right, we'll keep it NFL draft theme. I want the Browns to not draft a quarterback in the draft. I want them to give Brock Osweiler a chance. I want to wake up and see that Browns address needs but still didn't draft a quarterback because uh, I think that will be a headline if they don't. Uh, I want them to build up the team. I want them to draft a ton of defensive guys because there are a lot of great ones or potentially great ones in this draft. Uh, I want them to just focus on building a team and not continually chasing a quarterback because I'm not sold on any of these guys. So I want the Browns, I want to wake up Sunday morning and see that they drafted a bunch of guys and are ready to surround Brock Osweiler and give him a fair chance to... uh, lead us out of this thing see i'd be okay with that definitely um you know what what i really want the browns to do in the nfl draft is just to stick with what they believe in and their board and their values if they don't think that a quarterback is worth that number 12 pick don't take a quarterback and, and, and move on uh if you don't think a quarterback is available at 33 
that's valued there, don't take a quarterback and move on because you get to the number one overall pick not just because you don't have a quarterback. You get to it for a, a myriad, of, myriad of reasons, and I think the Browns uh, could go a number of ways at any pick uh, in this draft, and we would be okay with it just because they are devoid of talent. Uh, I'm going to keep my uh, headline um, draft-related as well. Mine's more of a fantasy, uh, and that would be that Jonathan Allen falls to number 12. Browns take him there. <laughs> and Deshaun Watson is available at number 33, and the Browns take him there. And that is my fantasy draft. <laughs> Man, you are dreaming. I mean, look, I wouldn't complain about that, but that that truly is it. You're aiming for the stars with that headline. Who am I? I mean, I dare to dream, my friend. Dare to dream. <laughs> well, we'll see, man. Hey, hey, if your headline comes true, I will be ecstatic because Deshaun Watson at 33, I think, is fantastic value. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully Bob's headline comes true. But if not, let's just hope the Browns don't screw this thing up. Good luck, Cleveland. Hopefully we'll come away feeling good about the strategy like we did last year. But until then, you're going to have to catch up on our old episodes at FenleyRoadSports.com. Thank you for listening to our Clee Talk podcast where we bring you Cleveland sports talk every single week. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram by searching Fenley Road Sports. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes by searching Fenley Road Sports and clicking Clee Talk. Or you could just go to FenleyRoadSports.com, click any of the icons in the upper right corner, you find all our archive episodes there as well. Thank you all for listening. And until then, go Tribe and go Browns. Don't mess this thing up, man. Let's get some talent. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Browns. Take it easy, Bob.